We will now open Scripture. The Word of God uh, reading this morning is from Genesis 27, verse 41, to chapter 28, the end of the chapter. So we start reading at Genesis 27, verse 41. And the text will be in chapter 28, verse 10 to 22. I will mention it later. So let's start reading. Listen to the word of God. Genesis 27, verse 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved of also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there, of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples. And give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take himself a wife from there, and that as he had blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had, Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Paddan Aram. Also Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael, and took Mahalath, the, da the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth, to be his wife, in addition to the wives he had. And here we come to the text for the preaching for this morning. Verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones off that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. 
and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that, I, that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, guests, we're all here. Our text tells us about a young man who is traveling all by himself, Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham. He's left his home in Beersheba, in the south of uh, Canaan. He's traveling north, and he is now in the vicinity of a small town called Luz, about 100 kilometers from where he started. The sun goes down, and he needs a place to sleep. For some reason, he decides not to go into town and try to find a place there in a hotel or something. He prefers to sleep in the open country. He takes a stone, puts it under his head, and lays down to sleep. What is going on with this young man? Why is he here and where is he going? There must have been many things on Jacob's mind and mixed emotions in his heart. His mother, who loved him dearly, had told him to go away because she was aware that Jacob's brother Esau hated him and planned to kill him. She talked to Isaac, the father, send Jacob away. Let him go and live with my relatives in Haran, that, that's far away in Mesopotamia. And see if he can find a wife there. So the official story is that Jacob is going to live for a while with his relatives in Mesopotamia. But the real reason is that Jacob has to flee because his brother wants to kill him. 
Now, if Jacob is honest, he knows that he himself is to blame. Partly, at least. He stole his brother's blessing by pretending to be him and deceiving his blind father, Isaac. I'm sure you know the story. What a mess in that family, if you think of it. And this is, among all the people in the world, this happens to be the family that is chosen by God to receive his blessings. They were supposed to be a picture of godly life, peace and harmony. But it looks like everyone in the family has failed. Everyone has sinned in some way. There is a real possibility that worse things could happen sometime soon. So if you think about that young man, Jacob, as he lies down with his head on a stone, you can imagine a little bit how he feels. He faces an uncertain future. How will it go? Will he arrive in the other land? How will he be received there? Will he ever come back to this land? And at that point, something remarkable happens. Jacob has a dream. You could call it a dream vision. The Lord appears to him. It's a beautiful dream vision. Jacob sees a ladder. You could call it also a stairway set up on the earth, and the top of it reaches into heaven. And then he sees angels of God ascending and descending on it, going up and down. So that's, that in itself is a message, a beautiful message already. Jacob, you are not alone. You have a connection with heaven. You are in the company of angels. And then, behold, our text says, the Lord himself stands above it, and he speaks encouraging words to Jacob. Now We will look at those words in a minute, the content. But I'd like you to note how remarkable it is that the Lord reveals himself to Jacob in this way. The Lord does not berate him or admonish him. That would have been understandable, right? Perhaps even to be expected. Jacob had stolen his brother's blessing. He had deceived his father. At the instigation of his mother, okay, his mother was involved too, but Jacob had done it. Jacob had appropriated for himself the blessing using deception. So the Lord could have said, Jacob, you have sinned, and sins have consequences. Or the Lord could simply have done nothing. The Lord could have taken a wait-and-see approach. Okay, let, let's see how things go with, with this Jacob in the other land. Let's see if he remains true to his faith. That's not what the Lord is doing. The Lord reveals himself to Jacob with a beautiful, encouraging vision. So here we already start to see God's grace being revealed. Makes you think of Psalm 103. We'll hear that again this afternoon when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Those well-known words, the Lord is merciful and gracious, 
slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide. He does not deal with us according to our sins. He does not repay us according to our iniquities. Keep that in mind. That's how our God is. And you see it here with, with Jacob. He does not deal with Jacob according to Jacob's sins. He does not repay him according to his iniquities. The Lord speaks beautiful words to Jacob. Let's pay attention to those words. Verse 13. I am the Lord, God of Abraham your father and God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. What a promise that is. I mean, Jacob is not even married yet. He's going to a different country. The Lord tells him, you will have children and grandchildren. And at the very moment that he's leaving the country, the Lord tells him, this land I will give to you and your offspring. Verse 14. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the covenant promise which was given to Abraham and then to Isaac before. God's people will spread out through the world and all the nations shall be blessed by it. Jacob gets the confirmation. Despite everything that has happened and whatever you have done, your failures, you are still the chosen one, the one to carry the blessing forward. That must have been so encouraging to Jacob. Not to be reminded of his sins at this point, but to be assured of God's abiding favor. Now the Lord is going to rebuke Jacob later on in his life. The Lord is not done with him yet, but at this point... The Lord decides to give him simply encouragement. Verse 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Again, what an encouragement for this young man, this weary traveler. If you if you think of his situation, he must have been anxious about his future. But now he knows, I don't deserve anything, but I will be safe because the Lord has promised to go with me wherever I go. He can now go to Mesopotamia. He knows he will arrive, it will be fine. And someday he knows he will be back in this land and take possession of it. He will marry, he will have children, grandchildren, and all those promises made to Abraham and Isaac will be fulfilled to him and his offspring. Small wonder then that Jacob responds the way he does when he wakes up from his sleep. He says, surely the Lord is in this place. This place is none other than Bethel, the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Let me say it again, brothers and sisters, I, I don't want you to miss the amazing grace, the surprising grace in how the Lord deals with Jacob. As I said before, the Lord could have rebuked him. There was enough reason to do that. And we might have expected that, but none of that happens. 
The Lord is good and merciful. Jacob finds himself in the company of angels, even in the company of God himself. Now this calls for application. What's the message for us today? Because we don't see a stairway reaching into heaven this morning. We don't see angels ascending and descending. And yet there is a rich, rich message for all of us this morning. But in order to understand it, we need to look at Jesus Christ our Lord. Because this dream vision that Jacob had was fulfilled in him. The Lord Jesus spoke about this himself. You can read it in John chapter 1, when he told his disciples and Nathanael, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's the Lord Jesus himself. And indeed, the disciples saw heaven opened on many occasions. At the baptism of Jesus, for example, when they heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Later, on the mountain of transfiguration, when Moses and Elijah came down from heaven to speak with the Lord, and the three disciples saw that, and again they heard that voice, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And on several other occasions, angels came down from heaven to serve the Lord Jesus. For example, in the Mount, on the Mount of Olives, when he was praying there. But then, by his death and resurrection, Jesus became for us the gate of heaven. It is through him that we have access to the Father, and it is he who has assured us, I am with you always to the end of the age. So abide in me, and I will abide in you. You start to see it now. Jacob could be certain that he always had a connection with God in heaven. God had promised him. But everyone who believes in Christ has a connection to God in heaven as well. God has promised it. Jesus has promised it. As Christian believers, we confess in Lord's Day 18 that we have Christ in heaven as our head, and he has sent us his spirit by whose power we seek the things that are above where he is. And from heaven he speaks to us. Think about that for a moment. Jacob saw the vision. He heard God speaking to him. He saw God speaking to him. God has spoken to you as well. For many of us, we heard the gospel first from our parents. When they explained to us, my child, what you did was wrong. But when you ask forgiveness, the Lord forgives for the sake of Jesus Christ. That's, in many of us, our lives, that is how the Lord begins to reveal himself to us. And don't you have it that sometimes you come to church, and church is not always fantastic or exciting, but don't you have it that you can remember times when you came to church 
and there was a certain preacher who was used by the Lord to impress on you your own unworthiness to come into God's presence and yet God's amazing promise, you're welcome to come into my presence. Or maybe you experienced it when you were singing a psalm or a hymn like the one we sang before the service this morning. How great thou art. And then those words. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Yes, God speaks to us in many ways. Not maybe from the top of a stairway, but in many other ways still today. He speaks to you in church. He will speak to us again this afternoon if you come back when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. The sacrament for those who believe that their sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ and you receive the bread and the wine and the message is there for you. Just like David, just like Jacob, we can expect an abundance of blessings to flow from God's fatherly hand. So, how do we respond to this? And that brings us to the second aspect of the text, Jacob's response. So, Jacob woke up early in the morning. He realized what had happened, and he was deeply impressed. He said, this place is none other than the house of God. It's the, it's the gate of heaven. And so he called the place Bethel, and Bethel, that means house of God. So the stone he had used as a pillow, he set it up for a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. And then he made a vow. Let's pay attention to Jacob's vow. Verse 20 to 22. Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Now, as we reflect on Jacob's vow we can see that he was still a young man learning to walk in faith and perhaps even a bit immature. Jacob says, if God will be with me. Well, he did not have to use the word if. If you think about it, the Lord had promised to be with him. And the Lord is always faithful. He will do what he says. If the Lord says, I will be with you wherever you go, you can count on him doing that. Applies to us today as well. You and I, we are not very stable in our faith. We are prone to wander away from the Lord. There's another hymn that speaks about that. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. From uh, the hymn, come, come Thou Found of Every Blessing. But then, we continue with this line. 
Here's my heart, O take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. So we are not stable in our faith. We do not keep our promises and our commitments to God. God, on the other hand, is totally trustworthy. As Paul writes to Timothy in his second letter, when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So coming back to Jacob, there was no reason for Jacob to include an if in his vow, in his vow if the Lord will be with me. Of course the Lord is going to be with him. He had promised it. So I would say Jacob was still starting in his walk of faith. He's still a bit immature, and that's how we all start. The Lord was gracious to Jacob. He accepted that. And again, maybe we can take a moment to marvel at the Lord's patience and, and his mercy in how he deals with Jacob and how he deals with all of us. The Lord knows Jacob. He knows he's immature, fearful, anxious. He knows that Jacob is going to make many mistakes in his faith, his walk of faith. If you read Jacob's story in the following chapters, that becomes very clear. Yeah, he wants to walk with God, but man, oh man, he's far from perfect. And he's, you could say he's, he's a little bit weak in how he leads his family. For many years, he allows Rachel, his wife, and probably more people in his uh, family, he allows them to, to have idols and worship them. You have to read on till chapter 35. Finally, Jacob comes to a point that he says, guys, we need to serve God and serve God only, so we are going to get rid of our idols. Let's bury them under this tree. And then that's, that's what he does. But that means that for many years, Jacob had allowed that to happen in his family. So he was far, far from perfect. And the Lord just remained faithful to Jacob all those years. The other thing that you see in Jacob's life is that over time he does grow in faith. And I want to say that to the young guys here in the church, and the older guys as well, by the way, um, yeah, we often fail, but it's also beautiful how the Lord helps his, his people to grow in faith, and you see that also in, in Jacob's life. He, he got to the point where he said, people, we need to get rid of our idols. So he did it. And when you read all the way to the end of his life, that would be chapter 47 or 48, when Jacob is on his deathbed and he looks back at his life, he calls his sons to him and he says, I'm going to give you my blessing. And this is a blessing from the God who has been my shepherd all my life. Let me give it the exact quote to you. The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. The God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. So Jacob, when he's an old man, he has learned his faith lessons. And he looks back at his life and he knows, yeah, the Lord has been faithful. He has been with me all my life. At that point, there are no ifs with Jacob anymore. He can testify that the Lord has kept his promise and has been with him all the days of his life. 
And uh, I hope that that will be the experience of all of you, all of us. It's been the testimony of many Christian believers who, by God's grace, reach an old age. As they look back on their life, they can see many sins and shortcomings. And their sins often make them feel bad, wish you could do it all over again. But they can also testify that the Lord has been gracious and merciful all these years, and they have been blessed abundantly through the years. Now, let's go back to the young Jacob once more. Despite what I said about him being a bit immature with this if sentence, we can also see a beautiful commitment on his part to serve God. Two things stand out. First, he sets up the stone as a pillar, and he pours oil on it, and calls it Bethel, which means house of God, and he says, I'm going to come back here again, and this is going to be the house of God. And the second thing he says is, I'm going to give 10% of all my, uh, what God gives me, 10% I will give back to him. Now, I could have an application here about tithing. I'm not going to do that. Maybe another minister can do that someday. I want to focus on the other thing that he says. Um, I'm going to come back here, and this is going to be the house of God. This shows that Jacob was very impressed by the dream vision he had received and the promises which God had made to him. He is firmly committed to serving God, and he's determined to come back to this place which he calls Bethel, and that is indeed what happens. Later on, chapter 35, many years later, Jacob comes back with his wives and his sons, and then he builds an altar right here at this place. Now, what we then see in Jacob's words and also in his life from here onwards is a desire to worship God, to be in God's presence, to be in a place where God reveals himself. And that is a desire that God worked in Jacob's life. And that is what sets him apart from his brother Esau. Esau wanted the blessing of God, but he was not interested in serving God or loving God or being in God's presence. Jacob wanted to be with God. It's a desire that you also see later on, for example, with King David, Psalm 27, well-known psalm. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Same thing, Bethel. All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's a hallmark of believers. You want, yeah, you live your life, but you also want to be in the presence of the Lord and receive his words and his encouragement and then worship him. You see it also in the life of the Lord Jesus. As a young boy of 12 years old, he wanted to be in the temple in his father's house. And later on, as a mature man, he came back to the temple and he cleansed it from those who were using it as a marketplace. And then you read, the zeal for God's house consumed him. But let's continue and, and come to the situation today. What's the situation today? 
There's no temple anymore where we can go. But you know very well. In the letter to the Hebrews, we read that Jesus, we have Jesus in heaven, and Hebrews 10 says Jesus is the high priest over the house of God. Think about that. We have a high priest in heaven over the house of God. Jesus is in the heavenly sanctuary, but that doesn't mean that we don't have access to God. In the same chapter, it says, now, since we have him in the house of God, Bethel, draw near to him with a true heart and full assurance of faith, and do not stop assembling for worship, also in the same chapter 10. In other words, brothers and sisters, young and old, and I want, this morning I want to speak especially to the young people. I see many young people in church here. Make it a life commitment. If you want to follow in the footsteps of Jacob and David and in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus himself, be diligent in coming to the place of worship, the place where God reveals himself. Be diligent in coming to the church of Christ as it assembles for worship. In the expectation that together as church, we draw near to the house of God in heaven. At the beginning of the service, we often say, let's lift up our hearts to the Lord. This afternoon, when we celebrate Lord's Supper, we will say, don't look at the, the bread and the wine. These are symbols. Lift up your hearts to heaven where Christ is, our heavenly mediator. Church is not always a success. Church people are not always nice. But assuming that the gospel is preached faithfully, it is the place where God reveals himself, where the Spirit works in the hearts and lives of believers. God revealed himself to Jacob in a very special way. A stairway, angels going up and down. We don't have that today. But God still continues to reveal himself to us in many ways, and especially in the context of congregational gatherings. It doesn't matter whether you are mature in faith, experienced, or still a beginner. Come. And come every week. Be in God's house. Be in the presence of God's people. Let it be your desire to dwell in the house of the Lord always. And then you will experience that God keeps his promises and you will hear those beautiful promises like Jacob heard them. I will not leave you or forsake you, even as you sojourn in the world. Amen.